Hello, and welcome back. Welcome to the Mausoleum of Mystery. Welcome to our second episode. I'm your host, Crape Tree Blood. We finally have a name for the podcast. It's a good name, I do believe, and I'm glad you're here. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about Annabelle, the haunted doll. Now, Annabelle is based on a movie, but the movie actually is based on a real thing that happened back in 1970. So sit back and enjoy. It's gonna get spooky. So where our story starts off, it starts in 1970, where a mother purchased an antique Radiant doll from a hobby store. They had, they had bought the doll for their daughter, Donna. Donna was preparing to graduate from college in a nursing degree. She was gonna be a nurse. She lived in a tiny apartment with her roommate, Angie. Seems kind of familiar. I have a roommate named Angie. Donna placed it on her bed and gave it as a decoration. Didn't, didn't really give it a second thought, though. But within days, both Donna and Angie noticed there appeared to be some very strange and creepy things about the doll. It seemed to move about the house mysteriously. Really small movements at first, but noticeable enough to notice that something's definitely wrong here. As time passed on, it became more and more noticeable. Sometimes it would move an arm, sometimes it would move a leg, sometimes it would look at them. They would also find the doll in completely different rooms of the house, something they never would have thought either person would do. <clears throat> we found legs, legs crossed, arms folded, other times we found upright, standing on its feet. I don't think a doll can do that, at least Raggedy Ann one. Donna sometimes left the doll on the couch before leaving work, and she would come back and the doll would be on her bed with the door closed. Now, could it be the work of Angie, her roommate? Hard to say. However, though, it didn't just move. It also wrote messages as well. About a month into their experiences, Donna and Angie began to find messages on parchment paper, and it read, Help us. Help Lou. What did it mean by that? Who is Lou? Who is us? It was as if it was written by a small child. However, though, the creepy part wasn't about the messages. It was the way they were written. Donna never had parchment paper in her apartment. Where the notes were written and in the house at all. Where did it come from? <clears throat> One night, Donna came home to find the doll had moved again. She's pretty used to it at this point, but this time it was on her bed. And something wasn't right though about this. A sense of fear came over her as she looked at the doll and looked what looked like blood drops in the back of its hand and chest. It's kind of weird, but it gets a little weirder. From nowhere, a liquidly red substance had appeared on the doll. It was like a bloody substance. Donna was scared and desperate and Angie decided the time was to seek out expert advice. They didn't know where to go for this, so they contacted a medium and a seance was held for this doll. Donna was then introduced to the spirit of Annabelle Higgins. The medium related the story of Annabelle to both Donna and Angie. Annabelle was a young girl who resided on the property before the apartments were even built. They were happy times. She was a young girl of only seven years old where her body was found in the field upon which the apartment complex now stands. 
Now, this is typical for a lot of haunted doll stories, or a lot of haunted kids, where they're, they unfortunately would be killed back in the past, and then a house would be built upon their grave, and they'd be haunting the house. It's an unfortunate reality for ghosts and paranormal. But the spirit then related to the medium that I felt comfort with Donna and Angie and wanted to stay with them and feel loved. Feeling compassion for Annabelle and her story, Donna gave her permission to hit the doll and stay with them. I mean, who wouldn't? It was the ghost of a child. I mean, you'd take care of them. I mean, I would. But however though, they soon found out that Annabelle was not what she appeared to be. This was not an ordinary case, nor was it an ordinary doll. <clears throat> they had a friend named Lou, friends with both Donna and Angie, and hadn't been with them since the day the doll arrived. Lou was never fond of the doll, and on several occasions tried to warn Donna that it was evil, and tried to get rid of it by burning it or something. But Donna had compassion tied with the doll, and didn't give much credence towards Lou's feelings towards, towards it. Donna's decision, turns out, well, it was a terrible mistake. So Lou woke up one night from a deep sleep and in a panic. You know those types where you wake up suddenly and it's, you're panicking, you're sweating, you're scared, you don't know what's going on. Once again, he had a reoccurring bad dream. Only this time, though, something seemed different. It was as though he could, he's awake, but he couldn't move. It's like sleep paralysis. It's kind of scary. Looked around the room and saw nothing out of ordinary. But then he looked towards his feet. And there it was. Annabelle. Right between his feet on his bed. Slowly glided up his leg. Moved over to his chest and then stopped. And then within seconds the doll was strangling him. Paralyzed and grasping for breath, Lou, at the point of asphyxiation, blacked out. But then Lou woke up the next morning, certain it wasn't a dream. He was determined to rid himself of the doll, and the spirit possessed it. Lou, however, would have one more terrifying experience with it. So they're preparing for a road trip, Lou, Angie. They're reading all the maps alone in the apartment. The apartment seemed eerily quiet. Suddenly, wrestling sounds came from Donna's room. Roused fear that someone could possibly broke into the apartment. Lou wanted to figure out who or what it was. He quietly made his way to the bedroom door. He waited for the noises to stop entering and turn on the light, going in there like a hero. However, though, the room was empty. Except for Annabelle, who was on the floor in the corner. Lou scoured everywhere for a forced entry, but nothing was out of place. The moment he got closer to the doll, he got a distinct impression that somebody was behind him. He spun around. He was quick to realize that nobody was even there. Then in a flash, he found himself grabbing for his chest. He doubled over. He was cut, and he was bleeding. His shirt was stained with blood, and upon opening his shirt, there it was on his chest. Seven distinct claw marks. Three vertically, four horizontally. All were like hot burns on an oven. Hot burns from an oven. They're almost immediately healed and half gone the next day. Fully gone by day two. What could have happened? However, though, 
This is where things took a turn for the worse. Yes, it gets worse, my dear listeners. This is where the Warrens came in. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Donna was finally convinced that there was a spirit in the house. But not of a young girl, though. But of a demon. One very evil in nature. As one demons are. After Lou's experience, Donna felt it was time to seek a real expert advice. And contacted it in a priest named Father Hagen. Now, Father Hagen felt there was a spiritual matter and felt he needed to contact a higher authority in the church. So he contacted Father Cook, who immediately contacted the Warrens. Now, a little backstory about the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, is that they're very famous paranormal investigators back in the 70s and 80s. Whether or not their investigations were true or whether or not they were fakes... A lot of stuff they did in their heyday of being investigating, a lot of mistakes were happened, unfortunately, and things got worse. But that's a story for another time. They took interest in the case and contacted Donna and concerning the doll. After speaking with Donna, Angie and Luke came to an immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not in fact possessed, but manipulated by sorry, manipulated by an immediate conclusion that the doll wow. I didn't misread my notes, and those are going to stay in the podcast. They, Angie and Lou, made an immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not in fact possessed, but manipulated by inhuman presence. Now, spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They do not possess people. There's no energy or sense to come out of possessing inanimate objects. They rather possess a person and get what they need done. However, though, an inhuman spirit can do that. They can they can inhabit any, any and all inanimate object. That's why what happened here. It manipulated the doll and created the illusion of being alive and being this little girl, tricking everybody to think that it was an innocent person. That's what a lot of demonic spirits like to do. They like to make you think that you're talking to a child. That you're thinking you're talking to an innocent spirit, but reality, you're not. The demon's demonic spirit, rather, was in the infestation stage of this phenomena. It began by moving the doll around, uh, teleporting around the house to hopefully get curious people to take interest into it and hopefully find a way for it to come back into the real world as they put it the corporeal world rather it was unable to communicate through the medium and it preyed on the emotions of the girls making them think that it was an innocent spirit and once donna gave their permission for it to haunt the apartment with and inhabit the dolls that's that was a mistake right there unfortunately Demonic spirits are negative spirits, and they will play with your emotions. They will make sure that whatever you do is for their benefit, not yours. So, with that said, moving on. It brought about the, it, so, it brought about the materialization of the notes as well, which is even scarier, too. And the blood drops and attacking Lou with the demonic mark of the beast... 
this all the signs were there unfortunately they should have known better so had these had these things last another two to three weeks the spirit would have completely possessed the doll or would have possessed either donna or angie and killed everybody so the warrants felt it was appropriate to have an exorcism blessed by father cook to cleanse the apartment and once they did and once they did that donna made a request to give the warrants the rag doll and put it into a glass case once they did that the warrants took it back to their museum of sorts in connecticut and but that wasn't the end of it though in between that ed, ed warren had placed a doll in the back seat and agreed he would not take interstate in the event that a human spirit human spirit will reside still reside within the doll however though the doll had other plans in some weird paranormal way the doll took possession of the car making it harder for the not just for the car, but for Ed to drive down the highway. It tried its best to kill Ed. Like, the brakes would fail, the power steering would fail, it stalled. Once Ed reached into the back seat with, the, with his back bag and took out a vial of holy water and doused the doll with it, that's when it stopped immediately. That's really scary. But, however though, back in the museum, they, they did make a special case for Annabelle forever imprison her in there and it is said if you touch Annabelle without her permission you too will be cursed by Annabelle so whatever you do if you see any, any Raggedy Ann doll ask for permission before you touch it before you might be possessed by a demon thank you for tuning in to episode 2 of Mausoleum of Mystery I sure do hope you enjoy these and with that said Stay spooky. I'll see you in episode three, where we'll be talking about skinwalkers. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs>